for sure, more so than you know. All right. So today we're going to talk about um, righteousness and holiness. And we're going to talk about how righteousness and holiness is important for us to stand in the relationship that God created us for and how it's important for us to fulfill what He called us to do, our purpose. So to do that, we're going to start, let's just define the word holy. All right? So holy is defined by the Strong's Concordance as follows. It says, It is to be sacred, to be pure, to be blameless, consecrated, separated, God-likeness. It is God's innermost nature. It is to be set apart for God. Nothing that is polluted or unclean can be holy. And so purity is a big part of the word holy. Holy is part of the nature of God. Right? I want you to keep that in mind. Then there's another word I just quickly want to define. It is holiness. Holiness is defined as the following. It is the process of a holy disposition and the quality of holiness in personal conduct. It is the principle that separates the believer from the, from the rest of the world. And I believe there's a slide up on this one if you go for the next one. Yes, there is. Look at that. God bless technology. The quality of holiness and personal conduct. It is the principle that separates the believer from the rest of the world. Holiness consecrates us to God's service, both in soul and in body. And it is a moral dedication of an, and a life committed to purity. So that is a very wordy, long thing of basically saying that holiness is acting holy. Another way of saying it in short is it is our character and it is our continual endeavor of living a holy life. So why is holy and holiness so important for us? Okay, I'm going to read out of Psalms 24 verse 1 to 6. There's a slide for that too. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. So if you follow in your own Bible, it's going to be a little bit different, as you'll see up on the screen. The reason being, the Passion Translation just talks a little bit more of the emotions behind what the, the writers and the speakers were trying to do back in the day. So, let me read it for you. It goes as follows. God claims the world as His. Everything and everyone belongs to Him. He is the one who pushed back the oceans to let dry ground appear, planting firm foundations for the earth. Who then dares to climb up into the presence of the Lord? And who has the right to enter into the holy place where He dwells? It will be those who are clean, those whose works and ways are pure, those heart, sorry, whose hearts are true and who are sealed in the truth, those who never deceive, and whose words are sure. Those who live like this will receive the Lord's blessing and the righteousness given by the Savior God. They are the very ones who will stand before God, for they seek the pleasure of Jacob's God by seeking His face. So holiness is a big deal because we were created for relationship. And we just read in the Psalms Holiness is a requirement 
to come close to a holy God because his nature is holy. And without holiness, there's no way of coming close to him. Smith Wigglesworth wrote a quote. I can find my page for it. Smith Wigglesworth wrote a quote on, uh, on holiness I want to read for you guys as well. It's, that I found pretty neat. It says, I believe that as we are filled with the desire to press into this life of true holiness, desiring only the glory of God, that there is nothing that can hinder our true advancement. That true advancement that Smith was talking about when he, when he wrote that, he's talking about advancing into relationship with God, into the deeper relationship. That's why he was talking about. And holiness is a key fact for us. So, holiness is for the pursuit of a deep personal relationship with God. It sets us apart for the fulfillment of His original desire for which our lives for our lives, which is relationship with Him. We were created in His image and in His likeness to be able to mirror His holiness through relationship with Him in our daily lives. So if holiness is so important, which we just saw that it is, how do we get it? If we have to have holiness to approach a holy God in relationship, how do we get holiness? Righteousness is how we get holiness. Righteousness, it's a free gift through salvation. Here's another quote I want to read you guys before I go into the scripture again. It's by John G. Lake. John G. Lake was a pastor and a revivalist in the early 1900s. He did a lot of missionary work in South Africa. And he was involved in Spokane, Washington with a ministry called The Healing Rooms. Where uh, it's actually pretty awesome. They set up this house. And they would just have all these sick people come and live in this house. And while they were in this house, they would just minister to the people physically and uh, um, with the word and praying over them and just worshiping 24-7. So all they did in that house. And all these people that the doctors basically gave up for dead. So there's nothing we can do for you. All these people started getting healed one after the other after the other. So much so that while Smith, oh, not Smith, excuse me, while John G. Lake was involved in this ministry, you can actually go and research it. It's documented fact that Spokane, Washington was the healthiest city in the United States during that time. That's a praise Jesus. I mean, that's a, that, that's a praise Jesus. Come on. So this is what John G. Lake said. He said, The purpose of God in the salvation of mankind is to produce in man a kindred holiness, a radiant purity like unto that of God himself. You see, when we read in, uh, in Genesis 1.26 where God created man, if he has a little monologue with himself. He says, he talks to himself. He says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. The reason he did that is because he created us with the desire of relationship. He didn't just want, oh, I'll just have people that will serve me. He said, no, I want people that would be compatible to me. I want people that would choose to have relationship with me. As a holy God, I will create a holy people that will choose to know me. You guys still doing okay? Yep. All right. It's getting quiet. 
don't know if that's good or bad. So we become holy by receiving the free gift of righteousness through salvation. And I think there, there was a, I'm a little bit slow on the slide, but there was a slide up there for righteousness in the next one. So righteousness is defined as the following. Righteousness is to be just, the quality of being right, and broadly, the word suggests conformity to the revealed will of God in all respects. Righteousness is both judicial and gracious. God declares the believer righteous in the sense of acquitting him and imparts righteousness to him. All right? That's once again, that's pretty wordy. But I can also say it like this. So righteousness is a God-given position of having a holy relationship with God. The one on the screen is a little bit more clear than that even. But let me make it even clearer. I will use money as an example to explain what righteousness works like. So let's say I owe the bank a huge amount of money. There's no way I can possibly pay. I think this is messing with the signal. There's no way I could possibly pay the amount that I owe. It's not even possible. So my standing towards the bank is unrighteous. My relationship with it. Jesus then comes and he pays my debt, all of it. He redeems me of it. He takes me from taking a debt that I couldn't pay. And he says, now I declare you to be debt free. You don't owe anybody anything. Debt is paid. It's over. But he doesn't just stop there. He goes further than that. See, that would put us at zero from an owing to zero. God goes a step further. He says, but now I'm going to become your bank. So if you stick with me, I'm going to give you access to my account. And I'm going to let you spend my account. And there is more in my account than you can ever imagine. And that is the, the twofold well, we talked about the judicial. He declares you righteous. And the grace. He imparts righteousness to you. So he doesn't just say, oh, you're clean and now you can kind of keep on going. He says, I'm going to give you the ability you can spend from my account. So to kind of jump back to the beginning. So you have God, whose very nature is holy, created us for relationship. For us to have relationship... You have holiness, which is acting holy. It's a lifestyle of continually acting like the nature of God so we can have relationship. A holiness that, that we attain through salvation, which is a, comes through righteousness. Sorry. Holiness that we attain through righteousness, which we attain at salvation. All right? Just to kind of grab that picture for you guys. Make it clear. Second Corinthians five verse twenty one says it like this. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation again, and there should be a slide for this. If you guys want to follow, you can, but it's going to be a little bit different in your Bibles. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union 
with him. It shows us that holiness and righteousness enables us to enter into the deep relationship that God called us to. He said, I want you to repeat something after me. Say, God, God desires, me. desires me. God had heaven without you. He didn't like it, so he made you. All right? Sometimes we forget that. He made us for the purpose of relationship. And we see how through the salvation and righteousness, which is a gift, we are able to live holy lives so we can come close to God. All right? And fulfill what he made us for, which is for relationship. But there's a second aspect that we touched on earlier, which is how does holiness and righteousness help us fulfill the purpose he called us to, beyond relationship. And this is where it gets really fun. The life of Jesus. Jesus modeled that for us perfectly. He modeled for us what does it look like for a man to live completely holy, completely righteous, in a 100% right relationship with the Father, totally dependent on the Holy Spirit, and then fulfilling the purpose that God called you for. Having your relationship with the Father and your life of holiness actually infect the rest of the world around you. To where it's not just a thing, oh, it's just between me and God. No, it starts between me and God, but it goes beyond that. We're called to go beyond that. Listen to what Jesus says in... uh, Matthew, it's the next slide. Let me get it here. Matthew 5, verse 13 onwards. Are we on there? We are on there. All right, I'm reading this in the New King James, so if you follow in your Bibles, it'll be closer to what you have. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to, the, to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, when you live a life dependent on the Holy Spirit, you can't help but spill out. You can't help but say that fountains of living water will, will fill you. You just can't help but spill. And spilling is fun. <laughs> Alright, so we see here, like I said, by the life of Jesus, how a life in perfect union with the Father, which we get through the righteousness, which was a gift because we couldn't do it. Our life lived in perfect union with the Father, dependent on the Holy Spirit. God says we're supposed to be the light of the world. It's supposed to. You see, God didn't give us the option of saying, okay, you can, I'll make you righteous through a gift, and you can live a holy life so you can have a relationship with me because I am holy. And then what I'll do is I'll just keep you here in my little pocket and we'll shield you from the world, and it'll be you and me, and one day you'll die and you'll go to heaven and we'll be together forever. God never gave us the option of that in his relationship. It's not even, a, not even a thought. We were always called to, as we spend time in his presence and relationship, we become more like him. 
And as we become more like him, we're supposed to have the relationship we have with him affect the whole world around us. That's part of the purpose while we're here. Remember back in, the, in Genesis when he, made, when he made man, he says in Genesis 1, 28, he says, uh, it's not on the slide, so don't look for it. Um, he said, he gave us a job to do, you know, sub, be fruitful, multiply, subject the earth and all that stuff. He gave us a job saying, first I make you for relationship, and then out of your relationship with me, you're, in, you're able to do your job. Right? That's what Jesus modeled for us to create your picture. That's the model he made for us. Because you see, in the Old Testament, when someone or something was unclean and it touched something that was clean, the clean thing became dirty. If you read through Exodus where um, Israelites leave Egypt and they're heading to the promised land and you go where God gives them all the all the rules and all the laws and all these things, you'd be like, oh, if a man touches this or a woman touches this, he's unclean and then he has to go do that and go through a whole, a whole thing. Jesus changed all of it. See, the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Right? So in the New Testament, with Jesus, now it is when something that is holy touches something that is unholy, the unholy thing becomes clean. Alright? I'll say that again. When something that is unholy gets touched by something that is holy, the unholy thing becomes clean. Alright? Christians are not supposed to be known throughout the world for these are the things that I do not do and these are the things that I do not approve of. Because I am holy and I live a holy life, I don't do these things. That's not what we're supposed to be known for. We're supposed to be known for what we do. The good works that glorifies the Father. It's supposed to be, you see that group of people over there? You see the things that they actually do? If that's what their God's like, that's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, it's the people that don't get involved in, any, in, in everything. See, we are not on the defensive. We are not the, to hunker down. One day Jesus is going to come back and He's going to deliver us from this unholy world. <laughs> Bless God. That's not, we, the world's the one that's on the defense. Right? We, you know that verse, this is not in my preparation at all, but God's taking me there. You know that verse where it says that um, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. You know, or like, anyway, that's how we were always taught, at least that's how I was taught, when the enemy comes in like a flood. You know that's completely wrong translation. It actually means that the way it needs to be translated is if the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against him. A little bit of a difference. Slight in how you approach life, if that's your mindset. If your mindset is, oh, the enemy's going to come like a flood, and God will rise a standard, and I'll be like, oh, Jesus, help. Versus the enemy comes in, and God's like, no, I raise up a flood behind you. Now go and step on that thing. All right? Sorry, rabbit, tra- rabbit trail. Don't help it. But... Uh, in John 14, verse 12 through 13, it reads, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. 
This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay, I'm going to read it again. This is, this is pretty big. I'm going to start in verse 13 again. And whatever, whatever, that's all inclusive, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. See, it's always about God. It's always about holiness, like we saw earlier. It's being set apart for service. This is where the service part comes in. It's always about God. It's always about God getting the glory. Even the life of Jesus. It was ne- Jesus never pulled any attention to himself. He always said, the Father. He always pointed to the Father. And here we see it again. He said, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You notice that there's a lot of similar language in this passage in John and the passage in Matthew that we wrote, where he talks about good works in Matthew, and here he talks about good works that, that uh, glorifies the Father. The greater works talked about in John is the good works that's talked about in Matthew. Okay? So when Matthew talks about your good works are supposed to shine before the world so that the Father is glorified. That's the greater works that Jesus talks about in John. That's a... I mean, when we're talking about greater works, when John wrote about what Jesus did, he said, I suppose that all the books in the world will not be able to contain all the things that he did. That's the guy that tells you you're supposed to do greater works than what I did. That's what you're called to. And how we can do that is the gift of righteousness through salvation, which enables us to live a holy life so that we can have a relationship with God. And as I behold Him, I'll reflect Him and I'll change the world around me. See, it's not me proclaiming, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I run out and I try and do it. No, I get in the presence of God and the presence of God transforms me to be more like Him. And then when I walk outside, He radiates out of me. And then when I submit myself under the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus did, then the world around me was going to change. You won't be able to help it. You'll just be. See, they call Jesus the anointed one, the one smeared with the Holy Spirit. It's pretty. So I want to give a... didn't do it very long. I wasn't supposed to time myself, but I didn't. But... Uh, I'm not sure how long I've been going. How long have I been going? Keep going. going? That's good. That means I can can just keep going. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I'm almost tempted to go into dangerous borders there. I won't look at my wife if I do. (laughs) She probably won't be happy. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. We keep on reading in John. It says, this is not up there. It's still in John 14. Starting in verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. And the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you, and he will be in you. 
Because once again, Jesus comes with the promise saying, hey, if you hang out with me, remember I spoke earlier when I used that money as, a, as an example to kind of explain righteousness, and I say that God gives you access to his account. That's what that is. His account, you access it through the Holy Spirit. God says, hey, if you stay with me, connect with me, follow my commandments, love me, make sure the main thing stays the main thing, which is your relationship. I know I'm hammering that to death, but the relationship, the main thing is the main thing. Keep the relationship strong. Stick with me. I will send you another helper. That's it's the helper that's going to work all these things through you. It's the helper that teaches you all things about Christ. Another, another passage, Jesus says that he will, um, he will bring, you, bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus taught you. You'll be in a situation and you'll be like, like, oh God, what do I do? And all of a sudden you hear something that's, you know, it's too good to be you. You ever been in a situation like that? It's like, oh, I need to make a choice. And all of a sudden this thing just drops into your mind and you're like, that's actually pretty good. I didn't realize I'm that smart. Anybody ever experienced that before? Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. Right? We're not that smart, but he is. He is that smart. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I'm going to, with the risk of not running a rant, I'm going to make an invitation. I realize I probably spoke way too fast and didn't speak as long as I needed to, but I don't want to dampen what I said, so... I want to make an invitation. First of all, I want to make an invitation to anybody who sits here and you say, listen, um, I have never made the choice to get to know Jesus. I have never made the choice to say, God, I want to accept your free gift of righteousness through salvation, through Jesus, and I want to get to know you. I want your righteousness. If, you, if that's you today, um, when we start, I want you to come forward and we'll pray for you. We'll be guys, I want you to pray. we'll pray for you for that. Second invitation I want to make is for people, if you're sitting here and you say, I believe, I have a relationship, but I've been, uh, I've been hiding my light. I have not been letting my relationship with God affect me to the point where I start affecting the world around me. And I want to start. I want to start doing that. I also want you to come forward so we can pray for you for that. And then... The other thing I want to, the third invitation I want to make is I want to make an invitation to anybody that has any kind of any kind of ailment, whether it's physical or just any need, any need at all. I want you to to come forward, and I will pray for you for that. You see, uh, now this is that dangerous waters that I'm talking about now that I'm not supposed to go to, but I will. Pastor John made a mistake. He told me, keep going. I'm like, I'll keep going. I don't know if you want me to, but I might get some phone calls. So uh, where he uh, says in Mark, he says, uh, go into all the world, preach the gospel in every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. That is us. If you believe, right? I Right? These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken this to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, 
the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So, that is the how version of when you walk a life of holiness, being empowered through the righteousness which was a gift by Christ. You spend time in the presence. See, every second I spend in the presence, I become more like the one I look at. I become more like the Father. All right? When Jesus went on to the Mount of Transfiguration, he started to glow. Same with Moses. Why? Because they were so close to God. They were such a, such a perfect relationship that it just starts changing their very physical nature. When we work on it, I don't want to say work on our relationship, but it's just investing time. You know, that really is the best thing you can give. Give God while you're here on earth. But the only thing that you have here that you won't have there is time. You have a small amount here. In heaven... It's not an issue. This is going to be there forever. So one of the most valuable things you can give God while you're here is your time. Is your time. You give Him your time, I promise you fire will fall on sacrifice. If your time becomes a love offering to God so that you can spend time in relationship, He'll change you and then you'll change the world. Well, He'll change the world through you. All right, so... I'm going to pray for us quickly, again. I don't think it went anywhere near long enough, but I don't want to keep beating the horse. So, but... Hmm. Dad, we just invite your presence. Dad, I ask that as we sit here that presence would just fall here on us. I ask that you would convict us of who we are. I ask that you would speak to our hearts, Dad, those of us that need to get to know you, that we'd come to get to know you. Those of us that have gotten to know you, but we haven't let it permeate to the world around us, that we would start. And those of us that has need, Lord, that we would be able to come to you and say, Dad, I trust and I believe that you can meet my need. And we just thank you for your gift of righteousness and holiness. Hmm. Thank you, God.